the letter to the Philippians, uh, Paul, the Apostle Paul is the writer uh, of this letter. We often say he's the author, but in reality, the author is the Lord. Uh, the Holy Spirit is the one that tells uh, these men what to write and when to write it and how to write it. So the Holy Spirit is the author of the book of Philippians. Paul is the servant. He's the messenger. He's the person that the Holy Spirit uses to write the letter. Paul indicates that he was in prison. Most likely he was in Rome, in the prison in Rome, uh, you know, because uh, in chapter 422 it says, all the saints greet you, especially those of Caesar's household. It would make sense for him to say that if he was in Rome. Paul founded this church during his second missionary trip. And I don't know if you knew that it was the first church in Europe. The very first church in Europe was founded by the Apostle Paul in Philippians, in Philippi. Now, what's the uh, message and purpose? Philippians is known as the letter of joy, the book of joy. And as Pastor Terry was uh, alluding to, we need, we need joy. We've gone through three years of, of pardon my French, hell on earth for so many people. Lives lost, all the lockdowns which led to more sickness and illnesses, and so on and so on. You know, you know what we all went through. God wants his saints to live in the joy of the Lord and his kingdom instead of just reacting to the circumstances. I've come to learn that uh, I, I know a true believer, uh, not, you know, by the fruits, of course, like Jesus says, the fruit of the Spirit, but also, you know, how they react to circumstances, how they react to situations that they don't like, situations that are, uh, you know, negative and uh, illnesses and whatever. A true believer uh, reacts as Jesus would react. Remember the old saying, what would Jesus do? God wants his saints to live in the joy of the Lord and his kingdom instead of just reacting to their circumstances. And the apostle Paul was particularly uh, qualified to teach this. All the things that he went through. And now he's writing this letter of joy from jail, from jail. You remember the, uh, the time when he was in jail with Silas? And, and you know what happened? They, they singing, they're in jail singing. Would you sing in jail? I mean, do you have that, that in you, that Christ-like attitude in you, that Holy Spirit power within you to even in the worst of circumstances reach out and sing to the Lord sing the praises and worship him see I always say that uh, worship is uh, thanking God for who he is 
I'm, I'm, I don't want my wife to love me for what I could give her. I want my wife to love me for who I am. For who I am. I think God does want that too. I remember uh, uh, what Jesus says that he seeks those who worship him in spirit and truth. Worship, not praise. I mean, he's not going to reject the praises. But he seeks those who worship him because, you see, I come to understand that those who worship him know him. They know him. They just don't know of him. They just don't know what he gives, but they know him. They have intimacy with him. So Paul is qualified to write this letter. This letter, in part, is a thank you letter to the believers in Philippi for sending Epaphroditus to comfort Paul and deliver him a financial gift. Yeah, financial gift. You heard me right. Today, you know, when people talk about financial gifts, man, I, good Lord, you got all kinds of reactions. There he goes again. Financial gift. You know why? Because <laughs> we're living here on earth. Paul needed money. Paul needed so many things, you know, and, and he needed this. As a matter of fact, check out how he responds to this. He writes in Philippians 4.10, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length, at last, you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. But now it's here, and I praise God. Thank you. Thank you, Paul says. He goes on to explain that he has learned. Say learned. Go ahead, say it again, learned. He has learned to be content. I repeat again. He had learned to be content. That's something that we have to learn. That we need to learn. To be content. We need to learn. Especially now. Let's start this year by being content. By seeking out contentment in the Lord contentment from him that no matter what happens to us this year we learn to be content he goes on to explain that he learned this this is learned and we can learn and should learn it too the art of contentment because let me tell you as I, as I live every day and talk to so many believers so many Christians they're not content. Complaining here and there, complaining about everything. I mean, you know, uh, where's the contentment? Do you see the benefits of contentment in your life? I want to read this. I found this the other day, and I just want to read it to you about contentment. Contentment brings benefits such as joy in the present and satisfaction in the simple things in life. Contentment brings an established sense of sufficiency 
in a peaceful rhythm that demonstrates that more is not the focus of his thought. You have life. What a privilege it is to be alive today. You see, some, some Christians don't think it a privilege. Some Christians are thinking, you know, I'm like, you know let me get, get out of here. This life is not worth living. It is. Jesus is still the author of life. He's still the giver of life. And you and I are here because he is life. You and I are here because of his love. What he has done for humanity. You have life. It's a privilege to be alive in this world today. As Pastor Terry mentioned a little while ago, let's focus on him. Focus on him. We have lost our focus. We have lost the, 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 the reason why we are on this earth. We're not here on this earth to fight the government. We pray for them and we stand up for righteousness, yes. But we're not here on this earth for that. We're here on this earth to show Christ, to bring his kingdom, to be Christ to so many people. Have we been doing that? Ask yourself, how many people, with how many people did you share Christ last year? Think about it. Don't, don't answer. Don't want any answers. That's for you to answer yourself. How many people did you lead to Christ last year? Or were you worried so much about yourself? Contentment also develops your ability to appreciate ordinary pleasures. If you are happy, simple things make you happy, like a good walk. Go for a walk with a member of your family holding hands. Go for a walk with them. Talk about important things. Indulge in a simple pleasure. Have a loving conversation. Eat a good meal without rushing to your next task. One of my nephews one day on a Sunday morning getting ready to go to work. I said, you going to work today? He said, yeah, well, that's, that's life here, right? I said, life here is what people have made it. God's intention is not for you to be in a rush in everything that you do. God's intention never was for you to be in a hurry and rush and rough and live in a rat race and adopt that style of living. That's not his intentions. Never was, never will be. If you can sit quietly, enjoy something simple, and not think about what you're going to do next, that's contentment. Cultivate your ability to delight in ordinary pleasures. Contentment also promotes true joy in eternal things. In eternal things, Luke 15:10 describes how the angels throw a party when one sinner comes to Christ. I mean, they know how to party. <laughs> when one sinner comes to Christ, they know what's worth having a feast for. They know what is worth 
partying for? Some of you party hard when your favorite team wins. When you come here on Sunday morning, it's like, oh, hallelujah, glory to God. Oh, yes. <laughs> they know how to have a good time, and they know what's worth celebrating. As your satisfaction grows, so does your joy in the eternal. For example, if you anticipate picking up your Bible and can't wait to hear God speak, that is satisfaction. That is contentment. So many people, God, speak to me. God, speak to me. God, speak to me. And they don't open their Bibles. Open up your Bible. Read it every day in prayer. And God will speak to you. I guarantee it. He will speak to your situation. He will speak to your desires. He will speak to your illness. He will speak to your, to, to your content. Read it. Contentment has its roots in eternity. If all the grains of sand and all in all of the beaches of the world represent eternity, then one grain of sand represents life on this earth. We are here grinding this grain of sand. Our time on earth to get everything out of it and failing miserably. I'll share this with you from somebody that I listened to uh, the other night. They, they were asking him questions and answers. He's a teacher. It really saddened me though what, what he said. They asked him about the church. How's the church going to do? He said, well, you know, let me tell you. Let me explain to you. There's the living church, and there's the, uh, the, 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 the visible church, and there's the invisible, invisible church. He says, what do I mean by that? He said, the invisible church are the ones that the Holy Spirit, the true believers, the only, the Holy Spirit knows who they are. The true believers. The visible church are those that you see on a Sunday, Wednesday, what have you, and maybe they're there physically, but not there spiritually. He says that visible church is going to fail. It's going to fail. Too often we ignore all that God has in store for us to increase your satisfaction, focus on eternity. Paul also used the occasion to send some correction. He wrote the famous passage in chapter 2 to instruct the church to bring the mindset of Christ. You know, and it's worth reading. Let's go to chapter 2 of Philippians, verses 1 through 11, and read that. Is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ? Question. Any comfort from his love? Any fellowship together in the spirit? Are your hearts tender and compassionate? Then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly 
with each other, loving one another, one another, and working together in one mind and purpose. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God to have something to cling on to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal death on a cross. Therefore, God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all names, hallelujah, that at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Hallelujah. Can you give God a praise him? Praise him. Hallelujah. Jesus did this. And he said we must have that same mindset, that same attitude. One day I, we were talking about what's going on in the world and this government here in the United States and all the things they're doing and somebody, a Christian, said, oh man, they should take him out. Is that the mindset of Christ? Is that the attitude that he would have? Yeah, I remember Paul writing to Titus and telling Titus to be obedient to the authorities be obedient to the authorities. Not be a, a rebel, not, not have that kind of thinking. And you know who the authority was at that time when he was writing to Titus? It was Nero. I mean, you can't get any worse than that. We have to have the attitude of Christ. What's the commandment from Paul? Pray for the authority. Pray that God would change their hearts. Pray that God would touch them. Yes, them. He died for them too. That God would change them, touch them, would reveal himself to them, and that would, they would turn it around. He went on to explain that the church affects the angelic uh, and the angels in, in their realm uh, when it is operating properly. In other words, when the church is operating in unity. And let me tell you something. Unity is not about just all being physically together. And you know that. How many families are always physically together? They're under the same roof. They're family members, and there's no unity there. Unity has to do with an attitude. Unity has to do with the mindset. 
Unity has to do with, with uh, what we just read, having the attitude that was in Christ, being in the same, uh, uh, in the same agreement uh, for the essential things. The essential things are, are, are God, Holy Spirit, Jesus Christ. Uh, he is the, the way, the truth, and the life. There's no one, uh, there's no other way to God uh, except through Christ. Things of that nature, those are the essential. We must agree on those. We must have unity in there. And this is what Paul is, is explaining to the church. When we're in unity, we affect the angelic beings, the angelic realm. And his conclusion is an exhortation to victory, to prayer instead of worry. Do you realize when you're in constant worry, when you let worry overwhelm you, you're sinning? Notice, I didn't say, you know, there are things you worry about, but when you let that, when you let that overwhelm you, when you let that control you, you're sinning. Sinning, brother? Yes. Because Christ gave us a commandment. Chapter 4. He says, always be full of joy in the Lord. Say always. Always means always, right? Never ending. Now, remember what I told you at the beginning? This is, this is Christ, the author. He is the one that's telling us. So often people tell me, well, but brother, we're, we're human beings, we worry. And I'm like, Did, does Jesus know that you're a human being? Did not Jesus create you as a human being? Does he not know what we're made of? And he is saying, always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. Let everyone see that you are considerate in all you do. Remember, the Lord is coming soon. Listen, don't worry about anything. Don't allow worry to, to dominate your life. Don't allow worry to incarcerate you. Because that worry will kill you before any illness will. And he, Jesus, is the one, the one that made you who you are, the one that made you as a human being, the one that gave you the personality. He is the one that's telling you, not suggesting. He is the one that's telling you, don't worry about anything. Pray about everything. Talk to him. 
Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Don't ever forget what he has done. Don't ever forget what he has done. Too often we don't think about it. Too often we leave it in the past and, and forget about it. No, no. If he did it back then, he could do it again. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Why does he tell you that? Because then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds. What happens to your mind when you're in worry? Be honest with yourself. What happens when you're worried? You can't think right. You're desperate. You make bad decisions. And you know what? You make it worse. You make things worse. Worry has never ser uh, 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 solved a problem. Never. And it won't. Then, when you don't worry about anything, when you give God thanks, when you pray, then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we could understand. His peace will guard your hearts and your mind as you live in Christ. Let this year be the year of contentment. Let this year be the year that you learn, that we learn contentment and not allow anything to come against that. Not allow worry to dominate our life. Let this year be that year when we rejoice wholeheartedly and we focus, we focus on what God has us here on earth to do. Let's focus on that. Let's win souls. Let's, let's, let's take space from the enemy. Huh? God is not a loser, and he will not lose. And if we're in him, if we stay with him, if we do and live how he wants us to live, we are more than conquerors. More than conquerors. So rejoice always. And again, I say rejoice. 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 There's a little, there's a little, little chorus that we used to sing in Spanish a lot. <laughs> I hear some people sing it. It says, aquellos días felices, manda otra vez, those, those happy days send again. Well, let me tell you something. Those days are gone. But guess what? Jesus didn't stay in those happy days. He's here now to give you happier days. Amen? Thank you.